Uh, whole book of Ephesians, we've been, our sort of theme for the whole book is the idea from a Scotiabank that we're richer than we think. Uh, but not financially necessarily, but uh, uh, the, the Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That when it comes to spiritual things, that we are far more richer than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And the whole book of Ephesians is basically unlocking this treasure chest and, uh, which we own. And God is saying, hey, this, is, this is yours. And our major theme so far has been identity. It's one of the big themes of this book in terms of who we are. And, uh, and maybe I'll just begin today with a question. Uh, who do you talk to the most? And the answer to that question, you may not automatically think of, but the person we actually talk to the most is ourselves. Uh, we're constantly talking to ourselves. And uh, what, are, what are we talking to ourselves about? It's often, not, not always, it's often about how well we're performing or how well we're doing or, or you know, what we're doing well at or not doing well at. It's often uh, we talk to ourselves about what others are thinking about us, whether we're loved or not loved or cared for or included or not included. And often we talk to ourselves so much about these things that these things begin to form our identity. And we've talked a lot about that already, but every beginning of these messages will, will point to this in a different way. Uh, often we use this uh, almost as kind of a demonic formula, but we, we often sort of fall into this trap. That we think our identity is basically how I perform plus what others think of me. Uh, that we often kind of think, you know, about my, my own worth or my own value or what God thinks of me based on what I do. So if I do a lot, then God must be really happy with me. If I mess up, then maybe he's not so happy with me. If I do really well in this world and keep up with the Joneses and have all the right stuff, then people are going to be really, wow, that guy is really successful, and all of a sudden we feel really good about ourselves. Or we think a lot about what others think. Uh, what does that person think about me? I think he was thinking that because he made a weird face at me. And, you know, why is that person phone? Or, you know, we always think about what, what they think. And the problem with this formula is it leads to two horrible things. One, it'll lead to pride if you're doing well. If you're super charismatic and you can just get along, you're Mr. or Mrs. People person and, and you just somehow have a lot of money or you're just really good at everything you do, you'll just be like, I'm so much better than everybody else. You know, I'm worthy. I'm, I'm kind of the super, why isn't everybody else like me? And you walk around with pride and you end up looking down on other people. The other extreme is you end up in despair. If people aren't loving you the way you want them, if they're not caring for you the way you want them to be, or you're not the most popular person, or you may be a little more shy, and, or you're not performing the way you want to, that you can end up in this despair that I'm, that I'm no good, that, I, that I'm worthless, that, you know, why God even create me because I can't do anything right, and you end up in this absolute despair. And both of those extremes are not good things. The correct way that we are to see our identity is what we've been talking about. That my identity is all built in the fact that I am in Christ. That if you're a follower of Jesus, the number one way that we are described in the Bible is not not Christian. It's only used two or three times. I mean, it's not a term. The Bible uses a lot to describe us. The most common phrase is that you are in Christ. That's who you are, in Christ. And everything flows out of being in Christ. And here's some of the things that we've been learning, that in Christ we are saints, that we are holy and blameless, that we are seated with Christ, we are children of God, we are chosen. 
we are fully accepted, fully loved, fully redeemed, fully forgiveness, regardless of how we're performing or what others think about us. This is who we are. And this is where we need to ground our lives in because everything in our life flows from the way we see ourselves. The way you live, the way you relate to others, the way you relate to God, the way you carry yourself, all comes down to how you see your identity. This is extremely important to grasp. So let's look at our passage, and uh, we're going to begin right at the beginning. That's wrong. We'll actually start with verse 1. Because we haven't made it very far, we can read our whole text. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people, and a lot of translations use saints. Uh, that, again, we are saints. Uh, primarily, the Bible describes our identity as a saint, not a sinner. Uh, we are saints who, yes, sometimes sin, but we need to primarily see ourselves as saints. That's how the Bible talks about us as our identity. In Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That right now, if you are in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. This is not future. It says that you, you have this. This, this treasure trust, uh, a treasure chest of, uh, of spiritual blessing is for you now in the heavenly realms. We talked a lot about that. That's where we are. The Bible talks about us being seated with Christ. We're in Christ who is in the heavenly realms. Christ is where? He's at the right hand of the Father, and that's where we are. Not because I'm so good, but because Jesus is so good, and I am in him. And then he says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And that's what we are because of Jesus and his forgiveness and grace. He predestined us for adoption. We looked last week at the idea of being chosen and predestined, uh, meaning that, that, that you're a wanted person, that God actually wants you. You're not some leftover. You're not some reject. God actually wanted you because he loves you. And he predestined us for adoption to sonship. And that's what we talked about last week, that we, we're no, no longer orphans. And we talked a lot about putting away orphan thinking. And, and I was a little bit hard on you guys last week, and I apologize uh, for that. It should have been more encouraging. But uh, uh, we're no longer orphans. We are children of God. Uh, to show, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And then today we're on verse 7. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And we're going to talk today just about the idea of our identity in relationship to redemption. Now the word redemption uh, has the idea in the Bible of this. It means to release from slavery often through the payment of a price. Uh, so you could picture maybe, and this happens a lot in, in third world countries today, that say one of your family members is taken and, and forced into slavery. And you go and you try to free your family member and, and the slave owner says, no, I'm not freeing this person unless you give me such and such amount of money and you can't afford it. 
Uh, your family member is in bondage. They are in slavery. And so you go and you sell everything you have. You work for years until you finally get enough money. You finally bring it and you give the money to the slave owner. And all of a sudden, your family member is free. You've just redeemed them. You've set them free from bondage and slavery. And that is the idea behind this word uh, redemption. Uh, dog, uh, God talks about uh, uh, redeeming his people from Israel in Deuteronomy. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you, that these people were in bondage, in slavery. The Egyptians were, were killing all their firstborn children to keep the population down, and then God steps in and redeems them from slavery. And this is what Christ has done for us. That when we are in Christ, he has set us free. He has redeemed us from slavery. You might say, well, I was never a slave. Well, this is actually the language that God's word uses for us before we're in Christ. That whether we realize it or not, before Christ, we are actually in slavery. And the Bible says this in many different ways. Uh, Galatians 4.8 says, formerly... When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. And, and, and even when I look at before I was a Christian, I didn't know I was a slave, but, but I was. I, I was a slave to, you know, like trying to find out what my purpose was, thinking that it was found in money and, and, and really very focused on money. I was a slave to money. I was a slave to my pride and my sin. And, and you become a slave to all these things that through Christ we actually have power over. 2 Peter 2 says, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. I mean, are you mastered by something other than God? Those are things that we, that we are enslaved to. Romans 6 says, before Christ, that we were slaves to sin. Uh, there was not the power of the Holy Spirit in us to, to conquer sin. There wasn't someone in us greater than he who was in this world and slaves to sin. Now, Romans 6, previously you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Or 2 Timothy 2, uh, Paul is, is, is talking about these, these people hoping they would come to know God, and it says, they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so it's this language of captivity and language of, of slavery, and even though people may not realize that until you meet Christ. Because there are times you don't real realize the slavery you're in until you see the freedom that you could have. I mean, I think of little rabbits Marie raises in these little cages, and they probably don't, they've grown up in there, but they have no idea what they would be like to run around. They're probably like, I'm free as ever. But you sometimes don't realize your freedom until you really meet Jesus, and you realize, wow, I really was in bondage and in slavery. The Christ has come to set us free from all of us to redeem us. And, and over and over the Bible says that we have redemption. We have freedom from slavery and bondage and, and, and being held captive. In our text, in him we have redemption through his blood. And that was the price he paid, his death on the cross. Or Titus 1, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. From all wickedness, not just some, all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Again, he, he wants us, he loves us, eager to do what is good. 
or Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a picture of pre-Jesus, that we, are, we fall short of the glory of God, that we are stuck in sin. But then Jesus enters the picture, and a lot of people don't read the next verse, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He sets us free, and all of a sudden we become glorifying to God because we are in Jesus. And this passage beautifully speaks of redemption. It says, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil actions and thoughts. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Notice this is God reaching out and pulling you. He's always trying to pull us into his presence. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence And again, this word that we talked about, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault because you have been redeemed. And I keep asking you this question, but you need to see yourself as you stand before God in Christ to see yourself as a saint who is holy and blameless because that is God's gift to you. That if you think that, oh, I'm so unworthy and I'm such a sinner and i got to maybe just work real hard to get into God's presence because then maybe he will actually like me, you have missed the gift of grace in Jesus and have failed to understand your identity in Christ. Uh, Christ is that good. And this is what Ephesians talks about. You are richer than you think because of Jesus. And notice we have this. Our text in Ephesians says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Or Hebrews 9 talks about thus obtaining eternal redemption, that right now you have this. That if you are in Christ, you have redemption right now. That you are free. That you are free from bondage and slavery to sin and law and eternal death. In fact, this is what the the word actually means. The idea of redemption means freedom. In fact, the New Living Translation translates our text this way. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom, or the idea of redemption, with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. That because of Jesus, because we are in him, we are absolutely free. And over and over and over and over again, the Bible says, we are free, we are free, we are free, because you have, not future, you have right now freedom and redemption. Here's just some of those verses. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.6, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. In the past, he gave his life so we can have freedom now. Six, uh, Romans 6.14, in fact, the whole chapter 6 is about this. Sin is no longer your master. Uh, Christ has purchased you from the master sin. You are now his. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. John 8, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Not just a little bit free, 
Not just 80% free, but right now, if you are in Christ, you are truly free. Even in the midst of the struggles of life and, and the struggles and the sorrows and the hardships, that there is this freedom as we have every single blessing in the heavenly realms through Christ. Now, the funny thing is, the way to this freedom is actually to make ourselves a slave to God. And, and the Bible talks about this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6. You are bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Again, the idea of redemption is to, to set free from slavery, slavery through paying a price. The price was Christ's death on the cross, and therefore we are now His. And we're to respond by honoring God with our mind, bodies, and souls. And then this verse here, it's interesting. It says, live as free people because you are free. You're totally redeemed. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. And then it says this, live as God's slaves. It's a contradiction. Live as free people. Live as God's slaves. It's like, that doesn't sound like I'm free. But if you know who God is, you realize that this is true freedom. See, a lot of people have a wrong idea of God. They have a wrong idea of what it means to follow Jesus. They think, well, if I become a follower of Jesus, I'm going to have all these rules, and I'm not going to be able to be, live a free life anymore. I'm going to be squelched down, and you know, I have to you know, do this or that, and I have to walk around like I'm sucking on sour lemons or something like that. You don't understand God. We're free when we are completely surrendered to God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So where is there freedom? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, and we're in God, and the closer we are to God, the more freedom we experience. And it's an absolute lie of the enemy when he says there's more freedom if you just pull away from God. That's the very first lie ever told in this book was when Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, hey, God is holding out on you. He really doesn't want you to be free. He wants you to be in bondage. If you just eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll really have wisdom. You'll really be free. And they go and eat it, and they find themselves in slavery and bondage. Whenever we rebel or pull away from God, it leads to slavery and bondage. Whenever we fully submit ourselves, that is when we find complete freedom. A fear. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to be slaves to Jesus because, again, they're just afraid. He's going to make me do stuff I don't want to do, and I'm going to feel like I'm in bondage. It's going to be a bunch of rules, and it's going to be some miserable life. Again, you don't understand God if you think that way. Uh, 1 John 4 8 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And God is perfect love, and as we are his children, there is nothing to fear in him, and being his, in his presence, because there is freedom. I mean, the picture is almost like an old story that is told in, from the Civil War days, before it actually broke out. There was a, a northerner who used to, to go down to the south and use his money to, to, to free slaves at slave auctions. And he goes and purchases this one slave, and the slave comes up to him thinking he's going to be in bondage, and he's going to be you know, pushed down in, in slavery again, but he says, no, you're free. And the slave says, you mean I'm free to say whatever I want? He says, yeah, you're free to say whatever you want. You mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, you're free to do whatever you want. I'm free to go wherever I want? Yes, you're free to go wherever you want. And then the guy says, so where are you going to go? And he says, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> and that's exactly how we respond to God. 
He has purchased us and we realize that the most free and blessed place we could be is in the presence of God. Other people are afraid to submit themselves to God in, in, in absolute surrender because they're like, he's a powerful God and I don't know what he's going to do to me. He's going to make me do stuff. And it's like, again, you misunderstand God. God is love. 100% love, not 99, 100% love. And true love is always giving. And God is also 100% powerful. And we've talked about this before. 100% love, 100% powerful. And if you get that, you realize that you got to run to Him. And you realize that the Bible actually says His power is for you, not against you. To think that somehow I'm going to lose my freedom, I'm going to lose my liberty, I'm going to miss out on stuff, I'm going to have all these rules or whatever, it's going to be in slavery if I submit myself to God. Again, it's a lie from the enemy. His power is for you. Ephesians 1, we'll talk about this in a few weeks or September or whenever we get there. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Because God is love, he is giving, and his power is actually for us. Or Romans 8, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is for you. He loves you. His power is for you. He has redeemed you. Why would you ever be afraid of submitting yourself to him? And this is why that verse that a lot of people struggle with really begins to make sense when you finally understand who God is. The verse is this one. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. If you think his commands are burdensome, it's because you don't understand who God is. You think somehow his commands are to push you down and to force you into some unnatural slavery, and I've got to be a Christian. It's like, you don't understand who God is. He is love. He is your father. You are fully accepted and redeemed in him. His power is for you. There is no greater freedom than walking close to Jesus. The closer you are to Jesus, the more freedom you will find. The reason he does lay out a few things in the New Testament is because of your freedom. He wants you to be free. And sometimes there are times where we're like, well, I don't know, that doesn't sound like freedom, I want this. It's like, you know, sometimes we're like little kids, you know, little kids, well, I would just love marshmallows all day, every day. It sounds like freedom to me. But we know as parents that that's not best. And sometimes we say, no, you got to eat veggies. And, and God is a good father. But you just got to realize there, there's nothing to be ashamed of to be a follower of Christ. There is nowhere that is more free. And we as Christ followers should be the most free people on this planet because there's no greater freedom than in Jesus. And so who leads you? And 2 Peter 2.19 says, you are a slave to whatever controls you is that God is it Jesus who is leading and controlling your life have you submitted your life to him so that you might enter the ultimate freedom in his presence and love and grace now I could say there's some things that control me that that's not Jesus and this is where we got to go back to our theme of redemption there are times in our lives where we think well I can't do anything about that Actually, we can because they're free. All right, too often we live like this guy. Uh, Walter McKillen, I was reading about him the other day. He, uh, in the 80s, was 
convicted of uh, manslaughter in the, sta- in the States and was on death row awaiting his death. He denied he did it. In fact, the jury uh, said he was innocent, but the judge overruled and said he was guilty. Uh, lawyers worked to free him, and they finally did in the 90s, and he was exonerated of all charges. But because of the stress he went through, uh, the doctor said he got early onset dementia because of the stress of uh, spending time in prison. And even though he was exonerated, he was completely free. Do you know when people would go and visit him, he would still say that he was in prison. He'd tell his lawyer, hey, you got to get me off. I'm, I'm on death row and my death is coming up. You got to get me off. And he was completely free. I was like, man, sometimes we live like that as Christians. God has declared freedom. You have redemption. You are no longer a slave. And yet there's those things in our lives like, I just can't deal with that. It's too big. It's too hard. And you feel like you're enslaved. And the reality is you're not. You just have early onset dementia in that era. And you've forgotten what Christ has said (laughs) over your life. Again, sometimes we can be, even in Christ, slavery, uh, slave to performance and legalism. Galatians 5.1 says this, Christ has truly set us free. Then he says this, which is interesting, now make sure that you stay free. Sometimes it takes work to be in freedom. It's not always easy. I mean, you look at someone who's really free on the piano, it takes a lot of work to become a person who's free on the piano, and it takes a lot of work sometimes as us as believers to really live in that freedom. So the Bible exonerates all of us to make sure we stay free. And it talks about this idea of performance and legalism and the law. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. There were people in Paul's day who were slaves to do's and don'ts and laws, and they were trying to drag everybody down with them. In Acts, it talks about this. It says, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. It's not just about Jesus. You've got to do this, that, and all these other things to be saved. The law, trying to take these people who are free in Jesus and make them slaves to these rules. Or Galatians 2, some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ and to make us slaves because people who are slaves to rules and religions and do and don't, there's nothing that frustrates them more than seeing people who are free in Christ. Because they think somehow it's through my rules and do's and don'ts that I'm pleasing to God. And and that person's so free and they get so frustrated that they want to drag everybody down with them. And Paul says, make sure you stay free. Galatians 2 says that we know a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. Or Romans 3, we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. I mean, You are not his child. You are not pleasing in his sight because of all these things you do do or don't do. It's about being in Christ. It's about being in Christ. And his forgiveness and grace is such a grace that it scares us into thinking that we have to be doing stuff. But again, the more you realize that who God is, the more you live in his freedom, the more you just want to naturally just, just please him. So we've got to be careful being a slavery to performance, thinking I've got to perform, I've got to do all these things in order for God to be happy with us. He is happy with you because you are in Christ. And next we're going to talk about just the idea of being forgiven because and this is hard for some of us because we're like, oh, I've got to be you know, doing all these things to earn God's love. It's like, nah, he loves you. 
We can be slaves to past mistakes. We'll talk more about this next week. But it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. That, that we can be slaves to our mistakes in the past. Now, that's just who I am. You know, I screwed up so much in my life. I can't really move forward. It's held me captive. And, and you're in slavery to your past mistakes. Now, you're forgiven. You don't have to punish yourself any longer for your past mistakes because Christ has already taken the punishment for you. That you really, really are free. We can be slaves to sin and Satan. Ah, this sin is too big. I can't control it. It's just out of control. I have no power over this. Satan's temptations are too much. I'm, I'm just, he just gets me and I have no power in this situation. Early onset dementia, you forget who you are in Christ. Uh, James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because you're in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, we talked about this, you have authority over Satan and demons. You have absolute authority because you're in Christ over Satan and demons. You just gotta submit yourself to God, surrender to him, and live in that freedom that comes from God and there's also freedom by being able to push away the enemy. Or Romans 6, sin is no longer your master. At what time it was? One time we had a master. His name was Sin. He held us in his grip. But then Jesus came along and he said, I've bought you from your master. You are now my child. And now we are free. And if you struggle with this idea of being free from sin and you just have this idea that I couldn't be free from sin, still my master, just read Romans 6. Over and over again, it says, Christ has set you free. This is not your life anymore. You have been redeemed. You find your freedom in Jesus, not by following sin or Satan. You really are free. And you gotta stand in that when Satan whispers in your ear. When you are tempted, you stand in who you are in Jesus that my identity is no longer a sinner, it's a saint. And you live in obedience to God who set you free. And lastly, we can become a slave, a slave to fear and others' opinions. It says this very clearly in 1 Corinthians 7. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Do not become a slave to their opinions whether they like you or not, what they have for you or don't have for you, we are to be slaves of Christ because there is freedom. As soon as you begin to fear man and allow others to control you, you lose your freedom. Our freedom is found in Jesus. And also our freedom is found from fear. As 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, of power, love, and self-discipline. This text needs to be memorized by you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of being in Christ sets us free. Satan will whisper in their ears, you're not free. He'll say, you're not free at all. This thing is overtaking you. It's too strong for you. I've got you in my grips. Your mistakes, you can't get over. They're too deep. They're too dark. They're too black. You can't get over your past mistakes. You have to do all these things in order for God to love you because if you do all these things, he's going to be angry with you. And there's all these lies and sometimes we feel them that this is a part of us and this is where we need to stand in the truth. 
The Bible says we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And the thought is, Christ has set me free because that is the truth. There is not one thing that you are actually in bondage to. I mean, it might have a grip on you, but in the reality, in the bigger picture, you are free, and we just need to begin living that out. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when you get this, you can be the most free person. I mean, our mission of loving God and loving people is only done well, really well, when you realize you're free. Galatians says, last verse, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh because that'll just lead you back to slavery. That'll lead you back to bondage and decay. So we don't do that. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He has set us free so that we can love. That we can love lavishly on God because we know there is no more barrier that I'm holy and blameless in the sight that I can come to him and grip him in his presence and say, I need you, I need grace, I need power, I need your love and we can worship him without barrier because I am free. And we're free to love others. Because I'm free of what they think about me, whether they care about me, love me or not, are there for me or not. I'm just free to love them in return because I'm full of God. You know the idea when Jesus said, love your enemies? You can do that when you're free. When you're not free and you're in bondage to their thoughts and their control, then they still seem as an enemy. You have a hard time loving you. But when you realize that I'm fully accepted in Jesus, maybe not by those people, but in Jesus, you're just, you're just free to love on them. And this is what we're called to do. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. And that is where freedom is found. So let's stand as we close. Amen. Yeah. So, Father, we thank you that you have set us free. And we thank you for what we've been learning in this book, that we are saints, that we are holy and blameless, that we are chosen, that we are fully accepted and fully loved, that we are your children, that we are uh, your friends, and that we are redeemed, that you have set us free. So God, would you help us to walk out of this room in that truth, standing on the truth of our freedom. And that when Satan whispers in our ear or we begin to think thoughts in our own heart that we're not free, I pray that we would just proclaim that freedom that you have given us. Because if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. So God, help us to love one another this week. Help us to love you. And help us to walk in the freedom that we might do that well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week.